Um, you're listening to Operation Community Stimulus. My name is Anne, and I have with us some information about a school in Pakistan, I believe, and we have a lady by the name of Sima. Is that right, Sima? Sima. Sima Hawk, and she is actually from Pakistan, so thank you so much for um, calling in, actually from Chicago. <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, well, I know, I know a good friend of yours that has been just a, a dream that we really enjoyed several of us interviewing her here at the sto- uh, studio. Um, and she suggested that you have a, an awesome program. Right, and he loves amazing. That's true. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you again. And what inspired you anyway to open up this school? for spe- It's for special needs. Is that right? That's correct. Um, I've been traveling. I've grown up in the States. I've grown up in um, first in New York and then in California. Mm-hmm. And I've seen the special ed programs that were part of the school districts here. And then in my travels abroad, I would see, you know, children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had one or two in our families that were just limited to, you know, staying at home and had absolutely no... Um, even regular schools that would accept them or any special needs programs in regular schools or any homeschooling. And um, so when um, I finished my studies and we had an opportunity to move back with my husband's business, I decided that I would go back and open up a school. So that's how it all began. So you were actually, you went to school here in the United States then? That's correct. Wow, what a, how amazing. Yeah. Uh, what a treat to be able to take some, some stuff here and, and mix it from country to country, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to travel back and forth over the last 15, 18 years that I've been living in Pakistan. So hmm. we are fortunate to spend our summers here and the rest of the school year there. Mm-hmm. So it really, I mean, every time I come back and I see the development, um, that goes on in the U.S. as far as, you know, rehabilitation and mm-hmm. early intervention and special education. I just, you know, um, more and more inspired, you know, to take more stuff back and see what I can do my bit over there. Well, I, th- I think if you, if you know something, um, you really should expose, you know, you should take it to wherever you can do the best good at. Oh, definitely, definitely. What was the most difficult challenges that you faced over there, over the years? Well, over the years, first of all, the the basic concept of special education, because people there don't really understand that if there's a child with a disability, um, they want to know, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to cure it? Are you going to be able to, if the child goes to a special school, if he has, um, you know, MR, especially in that area of mental retardation, they... Mm don't understand um, how this can be a lifelong thing. And if it's a lifelong thing, then what's the point of investing any money or any funding or anything in a program that's just not going to improve the person? But, yes, you're not going to improve the person's condition in a drastic way, but you will improve the quality of the life of that person. Hmm. And to get that message across is, is hard because... So many people live in poverty and, you know, limited opportunities anyway that they just don't understand that why do you want to work with special children. So that's been really challenging to get that awareness across, something that we, you know, we faced probably in the early 50s when people with handicaps in the U.S. or mental, 
um, you know, um, you know, the mental institutions where people were just sending them off there and they were not integrated into society. So, you know, you can look back about 60, 70 years and, you know, you're trying to develop those concepts all over again. So that has been challenging. That's amazing. Well, how did you overcome challenges like this? I mean, it had to have been frustrating at times, I Yes, it is frustrating. But again, you know, I decided to, when I started, I decided to work with a few of the, the pediatricians <laughs> that my kids were going to. So I would leave pamphlets with them, and then they would, you know, hear about a child or a family because they would get the kids to come in, you know, to the doctors. And when the doctor suggested that you send your child to a special school or a special program, then the parents were all of a sudden, you know, they were parents who are in this situation will do anything for their child, but they didn't know where to go. So it kind of created some place where they could go. And over the years, internet, the internet has made a vast difference because now you can Google, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can find things closer to home or answer, find answers to a lot of questions, you know, if, you, if you're computer literate, you're able to do that. So the Internet has also created a great amount of awareness. I started the school 15 years ago, but I've seen the development that's taken place in the last seven, eight years, mm-hmm. um, ever since, you know, the, the Internet has become part mm-hmm. of the daily life. It's mm-hmm. just been a, a great breakthrough. So this is like a vocational center, is that what this... Basically, mm -hmm. it's a school. It started out as a school, but as my students got older, the kids who came to me at the age of 12 are now 27. So the parents were like, now that they've been coming to you, we just want them to continue. Because we try to take them out of the program and send them to other programs. Um, But people, labor is so cheap there that nobody has the patience. Mm-hmm. You can get 10 people to do the job of one person, so nobody's going to give that job to a disabled person. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like in factories, they have 8 or 10 or 12-hour shifts. If you put a, a disabled person, they can only do maybe a 3- or 4-hour shift, and then you have to have another person who's skilled in order to facilitate that disabled person to do the work. So it just seemed like, um, you know, it was effort. There was no point in putting that much effort into it. So what I did is I created the vocational center as part of the school where our kids could make products, and then we could outsource them to different shops. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that would, incre- that would generate some revenue for our program and continue to keep the program going. Now, are, so you, set up as a non- right now. are you set up as a nonprofit there, or is that something that they do? Yes, or we're they- set up mm-hmm. as a welfare organization, but... Mm-hmm. We're in the process of setting ourselves up as a nonprofit organization here in the United States mm-hmm. so that a lot of the organizations that work with disabled people in Pakistan and in international countries will be able to hand, help us financially wow. um, grow. Because right now we're a very small school. Mm-hmm. We're full of 35 students, mm-hmm. and there's only one of the kind in Pakistan. But we'd like to expand our services to a lot more people. How how many people work there with you? Well, I have a three-to-one ratio. So for teacher to student, we have one teacher for every three students. But then we have therapists, physiotherapists, speech therapists, occupational therapists. So we end up having 20 people for a staff of 38 kids. It's almost a two-to-one ratio. 
I, what made you want to put something like this together? Did you have people in your family or people that you knew, knew that touched your heart to make you look at doing something like this? Yeah, well, you know, like I said, I had relatives, right. um, you know, overseas in Pakistan mm-hmm. who I remember when, you know, they were younger, they were much more able, and as mm-hmm. they got older, it was more of a degenerative mm-hmm. um, disease that they had, which over the years I felt the more they needed physiotherapy and the more limitations their mobility got, the more they just, you know, kind of withered away, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. so that was hard to see and I had a lot of questions and, you know, when I got married, I was very fortunate to ask my husband, you know, I told him that this is something I would love to do and, you know, he's been able to support me, mm-hmm. so, you know, and my kids have, you know, been patient and tolerant <laughs> with um, running a school. We started it out of our own house. Wow. So when my kids used to go off to school, they'd see the, the kids with special needs coming in. And so, you know, I've had a lot of support that way. So definitely I've been very, very lucky what to are, be able to do that. What are some of your future plans that you have for your vocational center? Well, future definitely we want to... the. The children that come to my school, a large percent of them are paying, but in Pakistan, a large percent of people with disabilities are very, very poor and cannot afford anything. So my future plan is to develop an institute or a, not an institute for special ed as much as a developmental center for early intervention mm-hmm. and just basic physiotherapy, speech therapy for, you know, the masses and the poor people, something that would be run through donors or through, you know, charitable organizations. Um, so that's why I'm in the process of registering our institute sure. in, in the United States, yeah. Well, I know that you seem to use the Internet a lot to reach over this way. Perhaps you can give our listeners uh, your e- any contact information that they can reach back to you as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, we're on Facebook. Oh, and <laughs> as everybody else is, um, Special Children's Educational Institute. Mm-hmm. That's our school name. And then our product line is called Sunflowers. And that's Sunflowers by Special Children's Educational Institute. So those two you can find on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And my website is www.speipak. So spypak. Okay. Um, .org, .org. Great. And if you go onto the website, there's a link that'll take you directly to our Facebook page. Well, it's always a treat to learn from other countries what you know where they're at, and um, um, it's nice to know that somebody would step up and do something like that because it sounds like you're about the only one in town. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know there's a lot of people doing a lot of great work. Uh, you, you so. got it. Okay. Well, yeah. you have been listening to Operation Community Stimulus, and the views on this program are not necessarily the views of KUCI, UCI, or its border regents. So please log on to KUCI.org and um, 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. So thank you so much for sharing that information with us today. Oh, thank you for having us and taking out the time to okay. be interested. Okay, thank you. I really you. appreciate okay. it. Okay, thank you Bye-bye. so much. Bye-bye.